In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, uh, I think I'll do a bit more of our traditional opening question this week, Amy, and um, I'm pretty sure this is not one, not anything I've ever asked you before. Um, If cryogenic freezing (laughs) was definitely Mm -hmm. a thing that definitely worked, would you want to do it? Yeah, like I definitely wouldn't die, right? Like that's well, part of it. Well, so typically in most of the science fiction that I have ever seen, and that includes today's uh, content, um, yeah. the idea that seems to run through the reason you would have cryogenic freezing is that you would have some sort of injury or disease that current medicine oh. hasn't been able to fix. Gotcha. And gotcha. so okay. you get frozen and you wait until whenever until it can the be thing fixed. can be fixed and then you are revived and then you live out the rest of your natural life is my understanding. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's the specific scenario, I will say a hard pass. <laughs> Only because like if it was a like funsies, let's, let's all as a family like get frozen and like come oh. back in 20 years. No, I, I, I don't want to do a family you cryo freeze. I but okay, but okay. Well, okay, I get okay. Fine, fair. But at the same time, I don't want to come back, have them like fix my infection or whatever, and then I'm alone in this like new like world that I don't even really know how to navigate. No, thank you. I don't. That doesn't yeah. sound fun to me. Yeah, because because even. You know, in the future, all types of different technology, whatnot, like you're just going to be sort of lost. And if you have like no one else to be kind of in that lost headspace with, I don't, that feels lonely. I don't think I like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're getting to the main thing I was wondering that was like the underneath question, which is it's one thing. I mean, a similar question, like, do you want to be immortal by yourself? Right. Or do you want to time travel? Yeah, I don't think I do. Because that's really effectively, like, um, what this one character does. is like, because if you're asleep for 54 years, then, mm-hmm. you may, then you've time traveled. You know, like, for, for right, right, you, right. one day yeah. was one year, and then the next day was a different year. And you, yeah. and to you... I don't think I like there's that. No, there's, like, no time in between. Um, now, would I like to meet a time traveler or be the person who woke up a cryogenically frozen other person? 
yes, I would. Oh. <laughs> that, I find, that would be interesting. Oh. I wouldn't want to, like, if I was in my safe space like and could you learn would, something from that weirdo person. Like, you would like to have an interview with someone yes. from the past. Yes. Maybe not the past. The past, I feel like we know. It's a little bit dark. <laughs> but, like, the future. I mean, the future could be darker, but still. The way things um, are going, the future does not it seems look like it might be. right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I so so then maybe the past is safer. It's like all right, fine, I knew that. But um, but yeah, no, I would definitely like a time traveler uh, interview. Yes. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I mean, there's a. Would you want to be frozen? I guess. Well, so there's a couple things that I've been battling around in my or letting rattle around in my head. On the one hand. I suppose if I had a terminal illness. And, and really, like, wanted to believe there was a way out of that. And that somehow yeah. I could have a quality of life restored to me and then have some years that kind of were lost to me as being yeah. sick. I could see that being appealing. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly, uh, and I was thinking this as I was asking, because, like, I also am like, well, cryo-freezing isn't like stopping aging it's not immortality but like what if it sort of seemed like it was in this particular well thing. it I'll was that. mainly because that girl just got frozen when she was really young but like mm. i and because it was like a cartoon i guess but like also <laughs> like if someone said to me when i'm really old and like decrepit if someone said this isn't about a terminal illness because life is a terminal illness. Like, at, like being alive Shit. is a terminal yes. illness. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I, like, Yikes. my ongoing rolling feelings of ennui keep on trucking. Um, but, like, well, but, but okay, like, then, if someone but, said to me, okay, so you're old and ancient now, Sarah, we'll put you in cryo-freeze <laughs> because there might be, like, not only new cures for actual diseases but there might be treatments for aging that would like reverse time or like make you stronger or like whatever and then you could live till you're 175 but you'd feel like you were like 47 most of that time like um (laughs) that's specific but got it I feel like Um, that could be an appeal but yes the other side of it is once you once you are woken up and then you're experiencing this whole new world, presumably, that you don't I guess recognize I feel could like, be very traumatic. Yeah, I think so. And I feel like if we have the technology, <laughs> hear me out, if we have the technology to cryogenically freeze someone, would we not also have the technology to fix whatever ailed them? Well, that's the whole... But that goes back to the very thing I said at the start, which is like the, the premise... For cryogenics, I know. is that we have this technology, but we don't have this other technology. I know, as but that yet, seems. Which, I mean, that seems questionable. Well, sure, because cryogenics aren't real. <laughs> I mean, that's that was that was the first thing I said we had to like hypothetically accept is that this is actually yeah. going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, um, yeah, fair. But also, really quick sidebar about cryogenics and a totally different movie. Why does Austin Powers get frozen in Austin Powers? <laughs> is, what is... 
<laughs> that just I was just thinking about that throughout this a little Have bit. Have you been like, wondering about why that's happened for the past 25 years since that movie I've just came not really out? thought about it. I guess, I guess I just I haven't seen the movie in a while and I'm just asking you to remind me that <laughs> I guess it's not important. It's because when he, when um, Dr. Evil slips out of his hands in the 60s, Dr. Evil goes into a cryopod that's shot into space. And it's, and we know that. So to catch up with him, he needs to be frozen. And we know that because it says the words cryogenic pod on. (laughs) Okay, right, right, right. We need to watch Awesome Powers on this show sometime because that's way more entertaining than what we know. So, yes. So then British intelligence freezes him on the off chance that this guy's going to come back. That's the reason. There. I I do. I guess I remember Um, that. It's also one of those things where it's not that important in that movie. Well, go on. Continue. No, that was it. I was just thinking about Austin Powers the whole time we were talking. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, on that note, anyway, <laughs> welcome to see you next week in space, everyone. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about today? Because there's a lot of sci-fi content that involves cryo-freezing, so I don't think anyone could have guessed That's true. yet what we're talking about. N- no, and I've literally never heard of this, and I guess people who are in the know probably would have, but um, we watched an episode of Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. um, which I guess ran, there was just one season yes. between 1998 and 1999. Specifically, we watched the episode called My Funny Valentine, which was episode 15, and it came out on June 12th, 1998. And this is a Japanese show? Correct. It's an anime. um, And I'm just looking up right now. I forgot to get the IMDb page of it up to see how many episodes in total there are. I think it's something like 26. Um, Mm. There's another thing called Cowboy Bebop on Netflix too, by the way. Yes, that's the new one. Um, Okay. That confused me for a minute. Yes, I was, I was like, which right. one am I supposed to be watching? I was right. It's 26 episodes in total. Um, mm. And yes, Cowboy Bebop newest one is the live action kind of inspired mm. by the okay. anime. Um, and so I guess probably first thing to say is this 26 episode com- like kind of combo, it mm. was is what we see a lot when we talk about shows that are not from the United States, where there's just, like, a vision of what the show is going to entail, and it might be 13 episodes or 10 or 24, and that's just it. And everybody knows that's Mm -hmm. all it's going to be from the Mm -hmm. start. Um, And my impression, I'm not as super-versed in anime as many a person may be, Um, I am vaguely familiar with kind of the most famous stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but my impression is that generally, uh, this is the kind of the structure and format of anime is that we're not doing like planning multi seasons. Um, and maybe that's especially true, um, in this period of time, I think more recent anime stuff has seemed to kind of operate on a more traditional, like, multiple season sort of plan um Mm -hmm. but for a while it seemed like it was just like we're doing this story the story will take however many episodes it takes and that's it once it's done it's done um 
And so this particular uh, show is much like quite a lot of the stuff I think we've watched, especially lately, where it's a combination of different genres. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a bit of a Western sometimes, though not this particular episode. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't get that feeling. Yeah, in other episodes, because like um, the general premise um that the ver- the various creators of this show were working on was you know bounty hunters which of course we usually think of as an old westy type thing um mm. but also i think of dog the bounty hunter it's what i think of. yikes um <laughs> and now i'm just saying yikes is now i'm picturing that man and it is one of the least visually pleasing human beings I can picture. Um, That's fair. But it's also kind of a mixture of uh, film noir and detective Mm. type tropes, which I would say is more in line with the episode we watched today. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it happens in space um, and in the future, it is also science fiction. So it kind of combines a variety of different genres and it was created by a, a fairly famous, from what I've been able to infer, uh, Japanese design team that's known for kind of a variety of kind of higher end anime uh, vehicles. The group mm-hmm. is called Hajime Yatate, and that's like kind of a combination of all of their names to come up with that. Thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I guess this team works together a fair bit and they've come to be known as this kind of collective as Hajime Atate. Mm. Um, and they work for a larger company that's an animation studio in Japan called Sunrise Inc. Um, okay. The main director um, of the uh, of the show uh, is Shinichiro Watanabe. Um, and as I said, he always planned that this was only going to be kind of one season from the start. Um, and that was because he actually didn't want to be tied to any given project indefinitely. Um, mm-hmm. he had, I forget what he, a friend of his, or, but like some acquaintance of his had had like really quite a lot of success with something and then, um, felt, oh, that's what it was. He felt like he, I guess he liked Star Trek, the original series, but he mm. didn't, that went for three seasons. Um, but mm. he didn't want to, like, he wanted to ha- have a good thing and a product he was proud of, but he didn't want to feel compelled to keep going once, you yeah. know, his, what he felt the story, what, like, was done. He wanted if it to was, be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, this particular show is set in the year 2071, which will be a bit of importance to us for this specific episode. Um... And this, just the final bits of this, uh, Cowboy Bebop is considered to be one of the best animated series of all time, uh, up to Hmm. this moment anyway. Um, That is interesting. I, okay, fair enough. I am not a big, you just say anime or animated in general? Um, this is the best animated series. It is also in the anime genre, so... Interesting. And best because it's, like, been rated the most highly? Yes. Like, beloved uh. by fans, critically praised. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And I think particularly it's probably worth mentioning that the English 
dubbing is considered to be one of the best examples of that as well. Um, it definitely was. I will give it that. I, I don't know that I, w- I personally wouldn't put it in best animated series for me. But the dubbing, I would say, is something that I actually wasn't even thinking about as I was watching it. Well, so I always like to watch things with subtitles. So, like, try and explain yeah. why you thought the dubbing was good. Or Oh, did you think it was not? No, I, I didn't hear it. Oh. I, I listened yeah, to it yeah, in yeah. Japanese and then saw oh. subtitles. So what I'm saying is, okay. like... Oh, I see, I see. Um, yeah, I guess because I didn't notice. Mm. Also, you mm-hmm. know, like, a lot of times you can tell that well i mean and with animation it's a little bit different i suppose than like dubbing you know humans right but um i thought they're you know the mouths right <laughs> lined up right. pretty well yeah. i think and i did it just it wasn't distracting right which i think dubbing sometimes can be i think when they say it's considered to be the best i think it's certainly that because i know I think you even sent me an article about the dubbing for Squid Game. Um, yeah. And so it is about trying to... Or maybe it's more... Maybe it's the most accurate actual right. Right. I think translation. It's, yeah. I think it's that plus not only are we mm-hmm. getting like the accuracy and really like doing a great job of translating so that we get the, the same meaning in both languages yeah. and have, have therefore the same feel or whatever. Yeah. Um, but probably also is like we're doing that plus, as you said, it's matching with yeah. like visually what I'm seeing on screen. And, yeah. I, and let's face it, that's got to be a really like difficult job. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's also one of the things is like um, the production value is good. Um, the concepts... I would also say, like, so I think one of the other reasons why this might be considered one of the best animated series of all time mm-hmm. is that it's not meant for kids, <laughs> part one. Um, yeah. And it explores interesting kind of themes and ideas um, in a way that is visually appealing without seeming dumb. And, yeah. um, you know, as well... Some of the contemporary, like, uh, anime titles coming out of Japan at the time, so uh, one that would be of this same era was a thing called Neon Genesis Evangelion. And I hear you yawning even as I'm saying that. (laughs) Um, I thought I was doing it silently, but, You absolutely weren't. Um, (laughs) But that one was so high concept that it was actually really hard to understand, like, what was happening. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's why this one is like, this is high concept, but it's still like grounded enough to where the themes feel kind of like semi-accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, that's what I would say is probably part of the reason. So yeah, that makes sense. In terms of the cast, uh, we're not dealing with too, too many people that matter to this particular story because it's kind of um, a story within the story, which is also why I chose this episode. Um, mm-hmm. So we have uh, the what, the protagonist, I guess, is the best way to describe this character, even though he doesn't play a big role in this episode, uh, is a character called Spike Spiegel. Um, and I'm going to list both the Japanese and English-speaking um, 
voice actors for all of these roles just so that they all get their kind of just desserts. Um, Mm -hmm. The Japanese uh, voice actor for Spike is a guy named Koichi Yamadera, who was 37. And the English uh, voice actor was Steve Bloom, who was 38. Um, Okay. Yamadera is considered to be kind of one of the premier uh, Japanese voice actors, and he's done Hmm. voices... Um, in things like Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z and what I just was talking oh. about, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, so, and a lot of other things, but because I'm not super into anime, I was like, these are the super recognizable titles that I know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He also, I guess, often does the voice dubbing for Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy uh, when oh, that's funny. those movies come to Japan. Um, so, oh, interesting. so again, I think that's also probably going into this. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> I want, wait, that just really like me, that like made me think like, wow. Okay. So I'm, oh, interesting. So <laughs> this is not what we're talking about, but when, so like <laughs> American movies, when they go to Japan, they think that Eddie Murphy and Jim Carrey sound like this guy. <laughs> yes. That is funny. If they're the type of people who would prefer to watch it dubbed rather than subtitle. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. So then, like, Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy go over to Japan, and they're like, what's happening with your voice? That's not your voice. I, I who knows <laughs> what happened. That is, so, that is so interesting. Yeah, it's pretty, like, common that uh, you, you kind of... One person. That, yeah, like, that you kind of do the same person over and over again because then people are like well you better hope you choose somebody with a good career well yeah but like it it does have a certain logic to it because you're like we yeah. always hear them do their same voice because that's mm-hmm. what they have it would be really right. bizarre to like watch one Jim Carrey movie and have his voice sound one way and then go to another and be like absolutely yeah one this? movie where like, he's like yeah, one movie where he's like smoking, and the next movie he's like smoking. Correct. Like that, you'd be like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So the other thing that's kind of wild because we're dealing with voice actors across the board here, all of them have hundreds of credits. Um, oh. Uh, Yamadera has three hundred eighty nine. Bloom has eight hundred and eight. Huh. Um. What the fuck? Yeah, and Bloom. <laughs> Uh, I didn't notice, a, I didn't really recognize a lot of the things he was in, but he, he's been around and he's still around. 800. Yeah, and it does look like he, and again, a lot of the English language uh, voice actors in this um, seem to specialize in anime looking properties. Mm. Um, so there might be some sort of uh, quality to that sort of voice work that once you get used to doing that, that's like what you're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. So that's Spike's uh, voice actors. Then we have the person who's the main protagonist of this episode, Faye Valentine, um, who is voiced by, in Japanese, Megumi uh, Hayashibara, who is 31, and in English, mm-hmm. Wendy Lee, who is 38. Um, Hayashibara is another person who has done Pokemon and Evangelion, um, and a lot of other anime titles, one of which, which is, I think, something that's, fairly recent that I found intriguing. Irina the Vampire Cosmonaut. Uh, Whoa. Which sounds like she's a Russian space lady who's also a vampire. 
I like it. Yeah, I I very much would be interested to know what that's all about. Um, she has 340 credits at this time. Um, and Wendy Lee, she also is this thing where, again, uh, most of what her voice work is is anime-seeming. Um, and she has a whopping okay. 613 credits. Um, wow. Then there's a character named Whitney Hagas Matsumoto. Uh, the Japanese voice actor for him is Akio Atsuka, who is 39, and the English-speaking actor is Steve Kramer, who is 48. Um, Otsuka is another... I think this is also probably why this is considered one of the best ones, is because the people who are doing the voice work are some of the best, most prominent voice work actors, certainly in the Jap- in the case of the Japanese language thing. Mm. Um mm-hmm. I have to assume that's part of it as well. Um, Otsuka has voiced characters in Ghost in the Shell and My Hero Academia, which are also fairly big anime properties. Um, hmm. He has 451 credits. Wow. Um, Kramer has dubbed the a couple of voices in Akira as well as other anime properties with a total of 374 credits. Jesus. Um, and finally, we have this character called Dr. Bacchus, uh, who was voiced in Japanese by Kosei Tamida, who was 62, and in English by Peter mm-hmm. Spellos, who was 44. Um, Tamida has only 97 credits. Um, so what a loser. <laughs> not as good. Um, <laughs> but he has been doing voice work. I think actually maybe now he's passed away um, because he was in his 60s. 25 years ago. Um, but mm. uh, he was steadily working since the 1960s. So it's possible that he does voice work in addition to something else. And so he's not mm. quite as, um, like, to get... He's sitting there like a chump yeah, with his Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, because to honestly, to get, like, over 300, all of these other people basically have over 300 credits. So I'm like, that must be your full-time gig is doing this stuff. Um, I would think otherwise you are like robot right <laughs> so perhaps Tamita also actually had like another full-time job on the side fair um, all right fine. but that being said Spellos the English voice actor for Dr. Bacchus also only has 153 credits um hmm. but I think that's also balanced out by the fact that he seems to be the only person in this cast who was actually done in front of camera acting like as himself um, like when he started out in, I think I want to say like the seventies, he was doing front of camera work and then okay. started to transition to voice work in the mid nineties. And so I think that's part of the reason why he doesn't have as many credits as these other people. Um, because mm. it, like live action, I guess just takes more time probably than voice work. Yeah. And so you can only acc- like kind of accrue so much. Uh, yeah 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 and so these are the characters and the people who did the voice work for them um we open with a credit sequence um which really and truly probably was my favorite part of the show (laughs) (laughs) um I really liked it quite a lot I thought it was this the music was catchy and this imagery was fun and cool um and it reminded me a lot, and I think perhaps 
this is true. It looks like, because like the opening to Archer has a very similar kind of feel to it. And I wondered if perhaps the people who did Archer were inspired by the opening credit sequence of this show. Because um, mm. it's got a very similar kind of like James Bondy yeah. sort of vibe to it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I was pretty stoked on that. And then the story itself was like not quite as exciting as the opening credits, which is a bit of a bummer. But, um, and this is perhaps, you said like basically at the very start you were already confused. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like I feel like it kind of jumped right into something and I was like, excuse me, what? Yes. Um, and I will say in fairness to you, that is often like a a way of storytelling. Yeah, I mean, they have to get the yeah, and they have to get to the point. They've only got twenty four minutes, and they've got to like tell a whole cryogenic story. I get right. it, but like, I but I was definitely like, wait, who, wit, who, what, when, where, how, yeah. what? And I only really <laughs> fully understood this very first kind of few seconds as I was writing the outline. I was like, oh, now I see. Mm. So basically, mm. where we are in the very beginning is we see this woman who is Faye, kind of surrounded by doctors and she's being Mm -hmm. put into a cryopod which seems to like always involve a lot of goo um (laughs) we haven't had that's that's reason reason another reason besides loneliness that i don't know if i'd be into it i'm not into goo uh we haven't had much goo talk of late um i know we haven't had a lot of like alienish things and i feel like aliens come with a lot of goo yeah so, but so and cryo apparently yeah too. that we have seen pretty much every anytime cryostasis or cryogenesis is involved absolutely there's goo, there's goo. um and Austin yeah. Powers has that as well there's a lot of goo <laughs> in Austin Powers uh, I do remember that so Faye is emerging goo and then we jump to uh, the cowboy to the bebop that's the name of the ship that they're in is the bebop. Okay, never got that. Got it. Um, (laughs) And these two characters who I didn't speak about because they're not super important to this particular story are Jet Black and Edward. And they're looking at frozen fish that's been stored in the ship. So, like, visually, this is, again, Mm -hmm. I think why we're talking about it being one of the best animated series is, like, visually what you see is you see this woman going into goo and something happening, and then it cuts to a shot of frozen fish, and so visually, you're being told what the, like, she's being frozen, these are frozen, this is a connection, like, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and in a very kind of, like, art house independent movie way, right? Um, mm-hmm. But in animation form, which is why, I guess, this is creative. Um, yeah. And Jet is explaining that he wants to go look for a bounty and all he says at this point is it has to do with marriage fraud and i don't really know what marriage fraud marriage is. fraud um that may have just been a strange translation for subtitle things um but i mm. i even at the end i was like what exactly did this guy do and what is marriage fraud is it like yeah, what is marriage fraud? Could it be like you're married to one Saying person you're married when you're not. Uh, and then you trick another person into to someone. marrying you? Then is that it? 
I don't know. I don't... Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's who they're going after. Meanwhile, okay. in another part of the ship, Faye and the dog named Ein um, are hanging out. And uh, basically, Faye kind of looks into Ein's eyes. And this, I mean... Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what this says about Faye or this dog. She's looking at the dog's eyes, and she says that the dog reminds her of someone from her past, uh, hmm. specifically this person name of Whitney Hagas Matsumoto. And mm. if I were Whitney, I'd be like, bitch, yeah. how dare you? I mean, like, the dog was cute, for sure. It was, um, but I still, here's the deal. My dog is cute, but if you told me I looked like her, <laughs> I would throw hands. <laughs> you know I almost spit out like, my water. <laughs> I'm the, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be told I look like a dog, no matter how cute the dog is. Correct. Yes. It's like there's no good way to say someone looks like a dog. You look like a dog. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I guess maybe the truth is there's no way to say to a human that yes. if they, an animal reminds you of them. Correct. Like, probably Correct. you can't make that happen. Like, Correct. Because it's even the cutest of animals. You're telling me I look like that animal. I'm going to get offended. Yeah. Like, <laughs> imagine if someone said to you, you look like an axolotl. I'd be like, you. What in the world is that? Oh, you got to look it up. It's it's actually. Oh, how do you spell it's, that? Um, A-X-O-L-O-T-L, I think. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, no, it's an amphibian. Yes, I'm scared. It's very cute. Oh, I oh it is cute. Okay, I have seen these before. Yes. But, like, if someone were to tell but no, you. No, you told me I look like that. I'd be like, <laughs> fuck you right in the face. I hate you. Yeah, that's not nice. Uh, so, anyway, this prompts Faye to tell the dog a story. So, now, okay. now it's a flashback. Oh, you love it. I, I do like a flashback. And this it basically is an episode entirely of a flashback. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, we start with Faye being revived from the frozen goo. Um, mm-hmm. And in a sense, sometimes we experience it as though we are Faye, like seeing out of her eyes. Um, but sometimes we're just watching it like a normal kind of like uh, voyeur that is like a, you, you know the normal perspective. Um, Cause there's this one part or there's a couple parts in this scene where, because we're seeing through Faye's eyes, we like start to hear Dr. Bacchus kind of talking in a very uh, non uh, comforting or calm way. In my opinion, I'm like, mm. if I'm waking up from a long cryo sleep, I want people to be doing ASMR talking like, you don't want that. I do. do. I want someone to be like, oh. okay, so you're waking up now. Yeah, of course. A billion and percent. You're gonna slowly I, I, open your eyes and don't worry. Yeah, what do you, what do you, you don't want like, you don't want like, what is that song they like wake people up in the army with? Like the one that's like, dang, dang, whatever, that's like a, the, you know. Yeah, something like that. You don't want that. Yeah, so Dr. Bacchus is like, got this gravelly voice and he's like kind of shouting almost. And the thing that I also thought was really weird here is we have this point of view shot where we're seeing out of Faye's eyes and we see, like, the tops of her breasts, like, oh. while she's laying down with, like, a, oh. like a 
you know, like with a cloth over them. I will say, for a cartoon character, this woman is, shall we say, stacked. Well, that's also a real <laughs> anime thing, you know. Okay. But, like, okay. I just was I like, I don't really see why we need to do this. And also, like, no. as someone who does have breasts, I, like, to, to <sighs> like, like, if I'm laying on a table waking up, and I'm looking out of my eyes. I'm not looking down at my chest. I'm looking up at the ceiling. Like Yeah, well that's where it's that's where it's drawn by folks who don't have breasts, is my guess. Probably. Um and probably a bit of fan service. And concept Yeah. Um but so what Dr. Bacchus is saying in his various patter, he says, Your wounds have been healed, but it's taken fifty-four years for that to happen. Um, Not so she has time traveled 54 years and then mm-hmm. literally she's like, she keeps saying things like, where am I? What's going on? And is very disoriented. And meanwhile, uh, doc, that seems fair. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah. And Dr. Okay. Bacchus yeah. is like, well, you know, the cost of us taking care of you for 54 years. <gasps> oh yeah. Wait a second. This I wanted to talk sure. about. I, yeah, okay, you were going about to say that it, she owes them $300 million. Well, Wulongs, whatever that is, but yes. Wulongs. Okay. I don't know the... I don't know the... Uh, exchange, exchange rate. rate. <laughs> <laughs> but that seems high. It's... Like, I mean, clearly we're meant to understand it's a striking amount of money in any context. And I... And listen, I get that that's probably what even on Earth you know, that would be, are they on earth? I think Where they're on they? earth in this. Okay, fine. Even in, in the U S anywhere, it's going to be expensive to be in, um, constant care for 54 years. I, I mean, sometimes it. people but, stay overnight in the hospital and owe $300,000. <laughs> like that's why um, that's like, I can't even fathom, but so yeah, so like it's believable, but then at the same time, it's like, bitch, you are the ones who didn't have the technology to fix me. Then put me under, like, yeah, you got to eat that cost a little bit because like I don't have and, it, and it's and I don't, <laughs> and I've been sleeping for fifty four years. What kind of money do you think yeah, I have? Yeah, and it's also unclear to me, and I'm not sure if like later on in the series this gets explained, but like at in this moment, it's not clear that she chose to be frozen it seems like there's some sort of mysterious background reason as to why she's been frozen um so again it's like was the opening scene weren't they just going back to that opening scene weren't they convincing her to do it or i don't remember that i can't remember i I made it up i mean it could have been i don't it doesn't mean that that that's not true um but like because of the nature of this show, I'm like, I think this is setting up like a, a, a thing that will be revealed later as to why oh. she was frozen, that there was like some sort of reason for it. Um, but we don't know what that is. And so, yeah, I'm like, if I didn't sign something that says, I want to be frozen and I will take and the I will cost, owe this money. Like, yep. Then it is like, well, you did this to me <laughs> without my consent. You're I'm asked. not paying yeah. this money um but really exactly the upshot is is Faye is revived does not know who she is and basically has very little memory of her previous life either um then we go to like a hotel room where she's there 
Um, and this Whitney character shows up, and he says that he's a lawyer that has been hired by the insurance company that's wanting her to pay this money. Um, and he also tells her that her name is Faye Valentine. Um, and he, and she's like, I don't remember anything about my past, um, really at all. And so he explains that, um, she had a serious accident when she was 20 years old. He doesn't say what that is. And that her injuries were so grievous, she was frozen in, like, and so I don't totally know if what we're saying in this world is that the cryo process also in, involves healing, like, or if it's that we're, now our medical procedures have gotten better and so we fixed you. That I'm not totally sure yeah. how that works. But yeah, yeah. regardless, uh, it's taken 54 years for that to happen. And so... It's a slow burn. Yes. And so in this flashback, the year is 2068. So like I said before, when we get to the present, it's going to be 2071. But this flashback is happening in 2068. And so that means that, let's see, 54 years from 2068 means 64. So she gets frozen in 2014. Oh, that was a good year to get frozen, I feel like. Probably it was, like, when the world was mostly still okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, a little bit normal back then. And, like, to get frozen. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like in 2068. But even, can you imagine, for a second, just, like, if you got frozen in 2014 and came back now, just eight years later. You'd be like, what right? the yeah, fuck? Like, <laughs> you'd be like, guys, like, literally, what did I'd you be like, do? put me back in. I don't want to be. Yeah, here. I'd be like, just leave, <laughs> leave me till twenty sixty eight. And care. that also means so that means she was born in nineteen ninety four, because she's twenty. She's younger than us. Yeah, that wow. bitch living. That bitch living in she lives in twenty seventy one, and she's younger than us. And what the hell? Um, That's not. And fair. Whitney does say something akin to that. He's like, "Well, you're twenty, and he's like, "Well, I guess." That's when you went in, so you're still 20 now, but it's been 54 years. Um, and when Faye first hears this, uh, she freaks out, which clearly, makes sense. yeah. And she doesn't believe mm-hmm. him. Um, and she says, like, look, I can point out in the room, like, this thing is does this, and this thing does that, and that's what this is. And so, oh, right. And he's like, no, that thing that you said is a telephone is actually like a super like community not even a it was some other thing um, i can't remember what he was saying all but that he was like was. no really this you're in the future from your perspective you're in the future <laughs> um he's like telephone it's in your eyeball yeah um nah, he didn't say that but uh, but he was like basically like you are yeah 100 incorrect and i think this is where he starts doing this thing that he'll then repeat throughout the episode where he's calling her sleeping beauty and like referencing mm-hmm. that story. Um, mm-hmm. Later that night, that's a big throwback for him in twenty seventy one or twenty. I guess um, Sleeping Beauty is from like nineteen fifty four. I mean, but it's a fairy tale. It's from even older ago than that. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, so later that night, Faye decides she's going to escape from the hospital. Um, okay. I'm not sure what she's thinking is going to happen or maybe she thinks that 
she'll find out the truth about what year it is or something, but she escapes. Yeah. And she's walking down this deserted highway um, where Whitney then catches up with her in his car. And again, I'm not sure if he was out there looking for her or if it's just happenstance that he finds Mm her. Um, He's a little creepy. He is. And so anyway, she gets into the car and she's, uh, she's really upset. Oh no, she's not in the car yet. He like gets out of the car and then she sort of runs away from him like into this like patch of rocks or something. Um, Mm -hmm. and she's explaining like she's crying. She's like, I can't believe that, you know, time has passed. I don't know anything about myself. I can't, I definitely can't pay this debt. Um, Mm -hmm. and he's like, don't worry about it. I will help you. And, you know, just come with me. And so basically, he convinces her to come back to the hospital, I guess maybe with the idea that there's going to be some therapies that she needs to, like, kind of acclimate. Um, And he, like, picks Mm -hmm. her up and starts, like, piggybacking her back up to where the car is. (laughs) And as she's riding on his back, she notices that he's got a barcode on the back of his neck. Um, Oh, yeah. And I thought it was interesting because he says to her... Or, I don't know. He's like, yeah, this is my identification. And I wondered if there was some kind of, not a jibe, but I thought it was interesting that because she's from this older period where people don't get barcodes put on their neck, she therefore Mm -hmm. is unidentified, which means she doesn't know who she is and they can't figure it out either. Um... Because he just gives her this name, Faye Valentine. They don't actually really know who she is. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there was something there to me that I was like, this is interesting because who knows whenever this barcode on neck thing starts. But um, Mm -hmm. she doesn't have it. And so she she is truly unknown in this future world. Um, Then... We have, like, um, a having fun and falling in love montage um, that seems to happen quite mostly in a mall slash food court. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, and I assume time is also passing, though I'm not sure how much. Because Mm -hmm. when we next see the two of them, um, they are planning to kind of escape and run away together and they're running away from this insurance company, which I guess still wants this 300 million wulongs. And so Whitney says, okay, we need to separate. And then we're going to meet at Dr. Bacchus's house, maybe somewhere. I don't know if they meant his office or his house, but they were going to go there separately, meet up there mm-hmm. and then run away with each other. Unfortunately, though, what happens after they make this plan and he drives away? I don't remember. Well. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Yes, I do. Sorry. Um, And it's written down here, but I also now I remember. So they make this plan. He drives away. And I don't quite understand, like, the geography of, like, what how she sees what she sees. But. Like, behind the trees, you see an obvious explosion, right. and I and we're meant to believe his car exploded. Right. And I think maybe there's also, because I think at this point they're being followed by the insurance company. Maybe they're in a helicopter. So there's something that, like, looks as though 
Yeah, you, all she sees is trees and then an explosion. Um, but it's, yeah. everything is designed to suggest he's been killed in this explosion. So she... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then we return to the hospital office where Dr. Backus is explaining that Whitney has left his estate to her. And at first she's very pleased by this information, but then um, it turns out that his estate is just debt. And so now she has more debt than what she had before. And she loses her shit. She's really angry about this. Um, (laughs) So then we come back to the present in 2071. We're back in the bebop. Faye has finished telling her story to this dog. Spike comes out. uh, It seems he's overheard the story. And in a very droll, dry voice, he's like, that story was too long. (laughs) that was funny actually um and then we have like what looked to me like maybe a commercial break and then we come Mm -hmm. back and we're again we're back in the present and um spike and Faye and jet black are all on the bridge spike is telling Faye that she should pay whitney's debt um because I guess that debt has been sitting around for the past three years. But she's like, I won't mm-hmm. fucking do that. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Jet walks in with this marriage fraud bounty that he's collected. And who should it be but Whitney Haggis Matsumoto, who we all thought was oh, dead, man. but is not dead. Um, and he's aged horribly in the three years between... Really not good. I was confused for a second. I was like, has he been waiting around for 54 years and then I was like oh no it's just been three um he like has gained a bunch of weight I want to say and he looks quite a bit like haggard or something yeah um but so then they are going to return to some wherever the bounty was issued which I don't know if it's earth they're going back to or where um Mm -hmm. but While they're on their way, Faye is like, well, I want to talk to Whitney about this whole I thought you were dead thing. Um, Right. So she's questioning him and in in another room. And in the meantime, on the bridge, Jet and Spike are concerned that allowing her to have this time with Whitney is going to be a bad thing. Um, Meanwhile, what appears to be a police ship comes to the bebop and starts hailing them saying um we want whitney uh for these outstanding debts and Mm -hmm. uh faye doesn't want to give him up she's now having a certain kind of uh loyalty or stockholm syndrome i guess you could say toward whitney um Mm -hmm. and so and then she then she decides she wants to repay his debt. And I guess what she means by that is, like, she's going to help him escape and that's going to be the repayment. Because then she puts them both into a shuttle and they, like, jet out of the bebop and are running around trying to escape um, both from the bebop and from the police ship. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the reason why Faye wants Whitney alive and to not be in jail is because she thinks that he actually knows more about her past than he's ever told her. Um, mm. And so she, so while they're having this weird shootout where Spike is chasing her in a different shuttle trying to get her back onto the Bebop so that they can turn in Whitney to get the bounty, 
um, so Faye is, like, driving around trying to avoid having this shootout and also asking Whitney, like, tell me about my past. And Whitney is like, are you sure you really want to know who you are? Um, And she's like, Mm -hmm. yes, of course I do. Um, And then I think he says something kind of, like, shitty, like, I never really knew. I just gave you the name Faye Valentine. um, Yeah. And that's it. Meanwhile, as this is all transpiring, um, the real police show up. And it turns it turns out that ship that we thought was a police ship was actually Dr. Bacchus, who mm-hmm. has been looking for Whitney for reasons that I don't fully understand. Um, mm-hmm. And so once the police show up, Dr. Bacchus is like, I'm going to get out of here. So I guess Dr. Bacchus was going to do something shady. Because as soon as the yeah. police show up, he's like, I'm out. Um, <laughs> and so then the final couple minutes of the show, Faye has now given Whitney to the police to get the bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Whitney ha- is like in a jail cell and he's trying to convince her to like let him out or that she's he loves her still and then he's like no no sorry that's not really true I never loved you and it's like <laughs> wow golly he is just like Mm-mm. yeah not a great guy um I guess no I guess I can see why he got involved in whatever marriage fraud is yeah seriously he is toxic yeah so they, they get a very pittant amount of Wulongs for this. They get like 19,800 Wulongs for his bounty. And the final Mm -hmm. little scene is everybody's back on the bebop and Faye and Ayn are sleeping next to each other. And then the title card ends the show with Sleeping Beast. And I think... Does that mean something? Well, I think it's meant to because Whitney repeatedly refers to Faye as Sleeping Beauty. And... So Sleeping Beast, I think, is meant to be some sort of, like, thematic connection. Oh, like she turned connection. him into... Oh, I was thinking she turned him into the dog. No, no, she didn't turn him into the dog. <laughs> I think it's more like... Because the dog had really different eyebrows at the end, I noticed. Really? I thought they were trying to, like... I thought oh. so. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't see it at the beginning, but I thought the dog had very humanly eyebrows at the end. Oh, no, he's definitely not turned into the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, I thought it was like Sleeping Beast because it's like, oh, he always underestimated her, like called her Sleeping mm. Beauty, infantilized her, took advantage of mm-hmm. her, whatever. And, yeah. like, in fact, she's a Sleeping Beast. And I guess what I mean by that is, like, don't sleep on her. Yeah, or get yeah, you. or like she, she yeah. plays it cool, but you can sure though turn... that it's not that she just turned him into a dog. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not it. Uh, like this is a genre blending show, but I'm pretty sure magic doesn't get included in this one. Um, they should have. They should have just like sprinkled in a little magic at the like, end. Hey, what if she's also a witch? What about that? <laughs> I mean doesn't make it any more far-fetched really i mean i think there probably are animes that add even more stuff and i know there are animes that involve magic and fantasy and that sort of thing yeah what is the what is the whole airbender thing isn't that all yeah kind of stuff yeah i think so um so that's it that's the whole episode um (sighs) wow yeah 
So, yawns first. Um, on a scale of one yawn being like super fascinating, amazing, <clears throat> and ten yawns <throat> being like absolutely not. Um, what would you give this? <sighs> it's not for me. Um, so I think I would say it's also 24 minutes, so that saves it. Mm-hmm. Um, I might say kind of right in the middle for this one. It's a little boring for me, but it goes quick, yeah. so I forgive it. <laughs> I think I will do a slightly different, I think I'm going to give it a three, because I think mm-hmm. if I had watched more of it, and if I understood like the overarching narrative better... I think I would have enjoyed yeah. it more. So, I, like, that's not the that show. Would have probably fault. been helpful. Um, that's yeah the way the nature of how we watch these things. So I'm gonna give yeah. it a three. Um, okay, in that's In terms fair. of eye rolls, one eye roll being like it's animated. What do you expect? Um, <laughs> and ten eye rolls like being like I really, really just couldn't buy into this. Um, what would you give it? This one, I mean, first of all, eye rolls is, like, always tough with the genre we're talking about. But I feel like it's specifically tough in animation because I feel like you always do that one eye roll as it's animation. What do you expect? Sure. And that is sort of true. Um, So there's nothing in this that I, like, didn't buy or, like, that I thought seemed far-fetched. I mean, I thought she turned him into a dog at the end. That's true. You did. (laughs) And I was like, cool. Um, So I don't know how to discern eye rolls. Um, In terms of it, like, not being for me, I'll I'll sort of judge it on that and give it, like, seven eye rolls. (laughs) But I don't think in terms of, like, the sci-fi of it, it's that eye roll. No, what I was going to say is I think I would even maybe go down to one or two. Whoa. Because there's nothing, at least in this episode, I can't speak for the show as a whole, but like, because we're not into deep future, Mm -hmm. there's nothing here that makes me think like, absolutely not. This, you know, like, and it is meant to be, I guess you could say, vaguely realistic. Um, yeah. Like if like it certainly requires a suspension a weird reality yeah, but suspension sure. of disbelief for sure. But it doesn't really require too much more than that to like be like okay, we've got bounty hunters, those are real things. Um mm. space travel probably will happen eventually. Um and cryogenics who knows? But that's really the only That seems yeah, that seems like a tougher one, yeah. but but that's kind of the only part that requires yeah. a bit of a leap of faith for the story. Yeah. Um, that's do I fair. believe that in the future medical care is going to get even more expensive and ridiculous? Yes. Um, that part seems real. You know, that for sure. Uh, so yeah. did you like this and would you recommend it? Well, <laughs> um, I, I'll reiterate, it's not for me. So, no, I didn't really like it. It's not that I disliked it, per se. Um, it just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Um, not my jam. So, probably, yeah, would, probably wouldn't recommend it. Like, if someone was asking me for 
an anime sci-fi show to watch, I would say I'm not the person you want to get that <laughs> recommendation from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably not. Yeah, I'm having a hard time deciding. Like, I think I liked it fine. Um, but it also, like, unlike sometimes when we watch a TV show and then I'll watch some other episodes of it to get a feel for it, this didn't really inspire mm-hmm. me to do that. Um, and yeah. I don't know if it's just because I was also kind of busy this week, um, so I had mm-hmm. less time to watch anything at all. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I would say I liked it for what it was, but it didn't capture my imagination very much. Um, yeah. And that being said, I probably would recommend it knowing that a lot of people do really like this and it's critically acclaimed and probably just based on that reason alone, like if someone were to say, hmm, you know, like I'm kind of thinking I would like to try out anime. I wonder where I should start. I'd probably be like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is a really beloved one that people really think is very good. That's probably a good place to start to see if you like this genre. Like that's, that's, I think. I'd send people to, I'd send people to you if they want. (laughs) That's fair enough. That's the role that I can play in this world. It's just, I'd be like, just ask my sister. I don't know. Do you want to watch some weird sci-fi something? Sarah will know about it. She'll tell you. Talk to her. She'll tell you what she thinks you might want to see. Um, and it will always be the wasp woman. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Oh my God. That's always going to be your recommendation. (laughs) I, I, I was remembering that recently because I, I don't know I, I must have been like going through old episodes or like reorganizing something and I caught a glimpse of mm. like Wasp Woman I was like oh yeah that crazy thing oh my god that movie was crazy <laughs> um well it's been a pleasure everyone thank you for listening I'm Sarah and I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space Ooh. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.